I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome back to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Mike. We have such a great conversation to share with you with Jen Pasteloff, who travels the world with her unique workshop, On Being Human, a hybrid of yoga-related movement, writing, sharing out loud, letting the snot fly, and the occasional dance party. Cheryl Strayed, author of Wild, calls Jen a conduit of awakenings. Jen has been featured on Good Morning America, New York Magazine, Health Magazine, CBS News, and now the Kate and Mike show for her unique style of teaching, which she has taught to thousands of women in sold out workshops all over the world. She is also the founder of the online magazine, which we talk about in the, in the interview, the manifest station. And she is the author of on being human, a brand new memoir, which is gorgeous. She lives in LA with her husband and her son. She loves coffee. She's hysterical. And yeah. We had a great time with Jen. And her motto to live by is don't be an asshole. <laughs> she, she even owns the URL, don'tbeanasshole.net. <laughs> so in this interview, we talked about being a connector. I mean, Jen literally knows everybody, and she is so generous with amplifying and uplifting other people's voices. We talked about how she has cultivated that sense of abundance and that feeling that there's more than enough to go around that allows her to use her platform and her voice to celebrate other people's voices, not just her own stuff. We talked about eating disorders and how she has recovered from a very severe one, listening, is one of her most important gifts and skills, which is perfect because she is largely deaf. And yep. did, we ta- um, did we say we, about her book? Have we said that yet in the intro? Yes. Are you not? You're not listening. Well, no, I was. I think you need <laughs> to learn from Jen. Yes, I talked about her memoir on being human. It's an amazing book, and I said it already. Well, that's I got I got lost in reading her website while you mm-hmm. were talking. Yeah, not so. listening. Um, She shared a really unique strategy that she used to get her book out there. So for those getting something out there in the world, whether it's a book, a business, a program, a podcast, listen in for that. She talked about reviews, why she never reads them. And yeah, so many different things. Being a mother, how she programs her workshops. I asked her a lot of questions really just for me because of things I'm struggling with. And I love this woman. I really do. Yeah, she's amazing. So I spent a lot of time watching her YouTube videos like in preparation for this podcast and just realized like she just said she doesn't have time to like to not be herself anymore, you know, and there's the, so many times we try to cover up or we're not really true to who we are and trying to fit in these boxes that have been established or that our belief systems are. And she's just like, I don't care anymore. Like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And the more true to who she is, as you'll hear in this podcast, it's like her business has grown. She got a book deal. She wrote the book, you know, and just it was pretty cool to hear her talk about writing the book. And we'll leave that for her to explain in the podcast. But uh, yeah, pretty amazing. She's amazing. Enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome to the Kate and Mike show. This is Kate. This is Mike. And we have Jennifer Pasteloff. Thanks for being here, Jen. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We're so excited to have you. So I don't remember how you got on my radar, but I'd been following you for a while. And then... I one day felt inspired to send you a DM and ask if I could send you my book. And then you responded and you were like, yes, which is so lovely. And then you said, hey, if you're ever in LA, you know, or maybe I said, do you like coffee? Do you want to get, I don't remember what I said, but I was coming to LA and I somehow I knew you lived there. Cause you, I know what happened. You were what coming, happened? you were coming, I think it was April 1st and your yes. book was coming out the next day. And you said, I'm coming to Los Angeles to have meetings and doing media stuff. And I said, well, are you, are you doing anything when you're here? You should do like an in conversation or like an event for your book. And you said, huh, stand by. And I said, I'll do it with you if you want. And then, yeah, 
That's what it was. You totally <laughs> initiated because I was gonna do an LA book launch, but then it felt overwhelming and very do more. But then once I had one person, which was you, a woman I had never met before, being like, I'll do it with you. Then I was like, oh, maybe it won't be that hard. So thank you. And it was, honestly, that panel was so, it was before my book came out. And so it really, it was so inspiring to me and important. But first of all, it was a Monday night. It was last minute. It was packed. And it was such a diverse audience. You know, it was just, it was such a beautiful night. I'm proud of you. <laughs> and us. Thank you. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us. And it was so, so this is something that you do really well, I've noticed in the short time I've known you, which is that you are really good at bringing other people to the party. So you've got something great going on and then, and you just, you share it just unabashedly, so generously. And I think that the fact that that LA book launch happened because of that quality in you, you initiated. And so the first thing I want to ask, you know, on the back of your beautiful book on being human, which I loved, you Thank have you. quotes from Cheryl Strayed and you have a quote from Pink and you have all these amazing people who've been supporting you in your book journey and I'm sure in your life journey and you're obviously an incredible connector so I'd like to hear about you and connecting has it always been that way do you meet these people randomly at coffee shops like what's with you and connecting to people yes yes and yes <laughs> it has always been that way I from the moment I can remember having memories I've always been that person although you know it's funny when I was a child I never wanted to be with kids. I always wanted to be with the adults. Like I, I thought, I think I was born 40 years old, but pre-Facebook, one of the reasons I think I'm so good in quotes at social media, and I don't mean good that I have, you know, a million followers, but it just comes very naturally to me. I enjoy it is because this is who I was way before this was invented. When my father died, my mom moved us out to California and then the Sweet, nutty lady she is. She moved us back to New Jersey about four or five years later. But I stayed in perfect contact with my friends. This was before FaceTime, before internet, you know? And I've always, and I was the glue. Was, I mean, and so now all the moms of those girls, they forget that I didn't go to high school out here in Santa Monica. No one can remember. It's just because I seamlessly, I would fly back and forth. I called, I wrote letters. I was, I was the one who, I have all the photographs. My walls were covered. I've just always been this, it's been important to me. It's come natural to me. I, I love it. I love, love, love. People sometimes can be assholes, yes, but generally I love people. I get a kick out of people. I just enjoy people. Yes, I meet people wherever I go. It's almost like a problem i'll go to the coffee shop and i come home with like a new best friend and like, <laughs> the other night this is pretty funny do you know who bradley whitford is the actor he oh my god he's right now he's on the handmaid's tale and he was on the west wing and he's hugely famous he's one of the best actors of our time i went to my friend's yoga class and we were having dinner after we walked across the street this man sitting outside he looked familiar but i couldn't figure out why sitting at a table by himself eating and reading The New Yorker, and there was a table next to him, and I sat down, and I realized it was him, and I reached in my bag, and I wrote him a little note in my book that said, Dear Bradley, I love you, even though you're so weird on The Handmaid's Tale. And he sat there, and it was like these two little, and my then my two other friends came, and there's the tables were right next to each other, you know, those really intimate, so it was like we were all together, and he sat with us for two hours. Two hours, we had dinner with him, bottle of wine. And I was, this is so me. I just started talking to people. <laughs> like, I got a photo with him in my book. And if you don't watch The Handmaid's Tale, it won't mean anything. But they have these, you know, creepy uh, greetings, they say, which is like, they go, blessed be the fruit under his eye. So he's holding my book, saying the things. It's so cute. That's but it's amazing. But yes, that, that I've, I've, always been one of my few gifts is connecting. I have a question. Oh, can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. And I know you have a question because you just breathed. <laughs> oh my God, you guys are funny. I can tell he goes, and, and I know he's going to ask questions. Let me just ask a follow-up question. Yeah, then. no, no, no. It's probably the same question. Let's see. Well, I am also a connector. However, I am very afraid of talking to strangers and I have to psych myself up to do it every time. I have to get have you always been that way? I have always been that way. I have social okay. anxiety. I don't like it. 
but it's it's weird to watch it's weird to watch like, i know how much she likes being around people and talking to people like we went to meet with my high school friends a week ago when we were back in indiana and she was like getting all nervous like okay what's this gonna be about this i'm like who are you like what is going on and she said it's the it's meeting like strangers it's meeting strangers so i'm curious do you have any social anxiety and are you scared of talking to strangers or is this just something that you just know what to say and you feel great and it's fine yeah well before i answer the question i want to say i think it's it's so interesting because I used to think, you know, everyone thinks I'm an extrovert, but in my head, I'm like, but I'm an introvert. And then I realized we're complicated, all of us, right? So yes, you're this way, but you're also this way. So do I have social anxiety? Yes, sometimes. But what I've come to realize is a lot of it is because of my hearing. So one-on-one, I don't. I'm pretty much what you see is what you get. The other day I got out of my friend's car and it was a mess and I was like, I'm so sorry. And then I go, but as advertised, you know, it's like, so I'm, uh, I really like, don't, I don't want to say I don't care what other people think because I'm human and I do, but I'm, um, I, I, I go with my gut a lot. So if I see someone and, you know, I'll just start talking to them without overthinking it. The social anxiety for me comes from groups or trying to keep up when I can't hear. Nowadays, for example, right off the bat, if I meet you and you're a stranger, I'll say, oh, by the way, I'm deaf without my hearing aids and I need to relapse, just so you know. And then I get that out of the way right away and I never would have done that before. So the social anxiety for me comes with parties, comes with dinners, comes with not so much strangers at all, yeah. But I, I, I wonder, and then we don't have to talk about this, some of the psychology too, is that, I mean, some of that is a control thing, you know, when you meet. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think you're totally right. And I'm not a control freak. I'm like the opposite, which so was weird. I was anorexic. Really weird. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think the anorexia was about? Grief. I think it was, I never dealt with my father's death. And, you know, so those of you listening that haven't read the book, my dad was my best friend, my world. And I said to him, we had a fight and I said, I hate you. And then he dropped dead. And so that was the last thing I said to him. And then I decided right then and there that I could not show any emotion. I just said, I don't care. And I locked everything in my body, everything. I did not cry. I did not grieve. And so when I was about 17, I found this way. I mean, it, ultimately it was about control, but in general, I'm not a control freak. I'm not a perfectionist. Like to the other degree, I wish I was a little. I'll send things out with typos. I'm like, it's fine. You know, my house is, a, it's, it's like, it's a problem. <laughs> I want to meet somewhere in the middle. I want, remember when I met you and I said, hey, if we were roommates in, in college, we would have hated each other because like, I'm like so messy. And, but like, I would like, I want to meet somewhere in the middle, you know, take a little of the control freak personality of people and like a little of me and then make this like perfectly balanced person which doesn't exist which doesn't exist we all we all have our stuff i know and i wish well and i have become less so over the years because i wish i was less of a control freak but i think I'm. well you look you wrote that beautiful book (laughs) for myself (laughs) (laughs) got it it. because that's what we do Okay, wait, did you, were you going to ask that same question that I was going to ask, sort of? No, I was just going to ask for people that are not connectors, what recommendations do you have for them that, like, can eliminate a little bit of that anxiety factor or that they might have when they meet somebody new or, because you, you, you've led a lot of groups now, right? So yeah. Icebreakers, because there is people yeah. in these groups well, that are like, well, I can't talk to anybody. Yeah. Well, I also think we tend to, we have stories about ourselves, right? BS stories. And so I think sometimes we label ourselves like, I am not a connector. I am, I'm good at this. And so I try not to like put myself in a box or anyone else. But one of the things is at my audiologist, there's on the back of her business card, I was so moved by this. There's like tips for talking to someone who can't hear well. Mm. And I was thinking, wow, this is good for anyone in general. But so to answer your question, Mike, one of the things is just, listening so focus more on the listening and like on these tips it says you know like look at someone when they're speaking don't cover your mouth there's all these like really basic things but for someone like me who reads lips i do this exercise sometimes that kate i know you'll understand 
it came from breastfeeding my you breastfed right okay yeah so i still going strong lucky i miss it so much i mean not I with miss the big one with the baby <laughs> I miss it so much. Yeah. Oh my God. We could talk for five hours, but so <laughs> I used to do this exercise in my, in my workshops and I do sometimes still where people will, you know, you get a partner and you do this eye contact thing for like three minutes with no speaking. And it's really can be really, really, really hard. So when I was breastfeeding with Charlie, when he was just a couple months old and he would look up at me and we would just look in each other's eyes, you know, for like five minutes and I had an epiphany and I went and just said to my husband, why do you think it is? You know, I thought I was a, intelligent you know why do you think it is that a baby it's so easy to to lock eyes with a baby but it's not with an adult and he said well because they're not judging you so then i started telling my people in my classes so i play this game called hashtag baby's eyes <laughs> so you look at everyone you because life is a series of tricking ourselves you look at everyone and you literally pretend that those are baby's eyes looking at me because most of the time the fear of most of the time, and I can't speak for someone with like crippling social anxiety or agoraphobia, you know, or bipolar, but it's the fear of what they're thinking or what they're judging or what they're going to say. And so if you just trick yourself, you know, okay, that's a baby's eyes looking at me. And the other thing is, is something I do called beauty hunting, which is to find the five most beautiful things. So I'm talking to you, Mike, and you're a stranger, and I'm totally intimidated. So I just stop and I go, okay, five most beautiful things about Mike. And it's just softening instead of being like, oh, he's so intimidating. Oh, he's annoying. You know, oh, his voice. Or all these things we do that become like we're fault finders. Mm. So, I, I mean, I like tangible tools instead of just, you know, woo. But the biggest thing I think is just listening. It's just focus on what is the other person in front of me saying and being and not worrying so much about when is it my turn to talk? Those are really good tips. I'm going to use them. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, all I ever want to do is be more free, more, more free to be myself with less, as Wayne, Wayne Dyer would say, caring less about the good opinion of other people. <laughs> mm, yeah, totally. So you mentioned the exercises that you do, you know, in life, but then also in your workshops. Mm -hmm. And in your book, you talk a lot about these workshops, which first of all, I really want to go. And second of all, I'm just curious as somebody who moved from being a waitress to a yoga teacher and then suddenly teaching these workshops, it wasn't uh -huh. like you'd been going to workshops your whole life. It wasn't like you were, you know, hanging a ton in the personal, well, you were listening to a lot of Wayne Dyer. Kate, let's rephrase. I was obsessed with Wayne Dyer. Okay. <laughs> I was so much that I like now I'm really good friends with his daughters and so my, my joke is stalking works but like I was so obsessed that I hit all his all his kids except one of S names and so I was like I'm Senefer <laughs> I was obsessed okay so obsessed with Wayne Dyer but I'm curious from a programming perspective yeah I was wondering this the entire time I was reading your book how do you decide what to put in your workshops and especially the ones that are like a really long retreat. And how do you keep that organized? And like, because I- Hold on, well, my coffee falls out of my nose laughing because <laughs> organized and me don't even go in the same sentence. Yeah, but if you're holding space <laughs> for people for yeah. seven days, that sounds like the scariest thing I could ever do. I mean, that's just too much. I used to think that I only liked to give 20 minute talks and I recently taught for five hours and I loved it. So I'm like, okay, and I've got a three day workshop coming up in January, but I'm really scared about running out of things to say. <laughs> so I well, want to know from a programming perspective, how do you decide what goes in? How do you stay, like, what do you do? I want the workshop on leading workshops. Yes, yes, yes. That's a great, great. So basically, I mean, honest to goodness truth is that I told the truth in my book. I made it up out of my butthole. And like, I just, I just intuitively do it. And each time I get afraid and each time I, this is what I say to myself, all I have to do is be present. So this is why I'm in awe of you. I mean, truly, I, I'm in awe and I worship. I have a Kate Northam altar right here because like I look at your newsletter and like you are so, all the things that I not great at you really are so i can't answer that because i truly just go with what feels intuitive but i will say is i find what works and then i keep it and then do i get intimidated as hell when the same people come back again and again because i get like you know groupies yes and my husband goes well 
you know, he's very, well, they know what they're coming for. And they, they and I, yeah, but oh my God. And it's like, you know, it's tried and true. So I don't change, sometimes I change things. But what I do use in my workshop is, is my life. I only, and I feel like you're the same way. I use things that happen in my life. So to give yourself a medal, everything I do are things that I teach as I'm going through it. So really for me, it's not about, it's, it's all about the listening. And I know the irony of me being profoundly hard of hearing, but, but it just creates a space where people share and talk and listen. Why I fell so hard for you was because I think I told you this, I started, I realized after about a, 10 years now almost of doing this work, I used to have that thought of like, what do I put in and all this programming stuff? And I started letting that go. And I started going, just do less, do less. So when you sent me your book, I was like, holy shit, this is my Bible. This, I'm not kidding, Kate. I was not kidding with you. I talk about that book all the time because that is, for me now, it's all about doing less. It's just providing this space and letting... And yes, I understand sometimes you're creating a course and you can't just go, well, I'm just going to go and, and listen. And especially when you're doing the kind of thing where you're the one talking the most, but actually in my workshops, it's the other people talking the most. So I share my story, my lead in, and then they share. And so what I always say in my workshops is all you need is to listen and tell the truth. Mm. And the truth is the people bring the stuff. It's all their stories. Were I to do another online thing again, I don't know. I have to come up with stuff. And, and, and so it's different. The stuff you and I are doing, you, I, I feel like you do have to generate more content. But if you were just, you know, doing a retreat in Maine or something for the weekend and, and it was about, you know, like holding space or whatever, and you just sat there and listened, you'd be brilliant. Mm. That do less reminder was really helpful. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it's, it's a game really changer crazy. for me. And the egg wisdom, I mean... Oh, the egg wisdom is fun. The egg wisdom is very fun. So I'm curious now, you, okay, so this was a dream of yours. I mean, you were, you've been a writer your whole life. Yeah. And now this book is out there. And I want to know, how do you feel? And what parts are like what you expected? Mm -hmm. What parts are different now being a published author and having had this massive dream be realized? And before you answer that, this is the first book, right? Yes. You talked about like five years ago, a different book. No, I was like, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book. And it was oh, kind of like. Okay. I've been just... watching like all of your old YouTube videos. So you were talking about writing a book like five. So it's this, this is the book. Yeah. So. But there was a different title back in the day. Yeah. It was beauty hunting, I think. And um... no, it was something on manifest. Oh, the manifestation. That oh no, that's that's my um my I have a website with a woman named Angela Giles. It's a it's a, a personal essay website. It's called the manifestation. There was another title back in the day. I'll figure it out and tell you. But and also, don't be an asshole.net. I own that too. Yes, yeah. and I'm so happy that I own that, and I own beauty hunting. Um, but but the, because the thing is is yeah, one of the things I talk about with manifesting a lot is like. It's not just about, oh, let me imagine it and let me daydream on it and let me visualize it because that's, hello, my book, actually what it took is me sitting down at this desk and like, you know, committing to it. So I was talking about writing a book, talking about it, talking about it, but not really doing it. I was writing some essays, saving them on my computer, but I wasn't really doing it. So I love these questions, Kate, and I love that we're doing this a month after my book comes out as before because there's that vantage point, you know? So things I'll say. I'm really proud of myself. I, I think besides my son, it's the, it's the first thing I've ever finished. And I obviously didn't finish my son, but I mean, I birthed him. I, this is not a joke. I mean, I really, again, Mike, back five years ago, like that's very typical of me. I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book. And I talk about this in the book, this idea that I've always struggled with wanting someone to come and save me or rescue me. And so I really thought somebody would come swoop me in and go, here's a million dollars. Will you write a book? That did not happen. And I'm really, just really proud of myself. I did this. <laughs> you know, everyone said, your life is going to change. Your life is going to change. It's a month in. It's, it looks the same to me. <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> yeah, still here in my one-bedroom apartment. I feel bizarrely content. Mm. Yes, I'm on antidepressants, but there's nothing to do with that. I feel really satisfied and happy 
the messages I'm getting, I can't keep up and like seeing it all over the world. And it is just, it's not as if I see them and then I go, oh, I am great. But I think, oh, I, wow, I touch, I, you know, my story touched someone. It's all about storytelling, sharing our stories. I had hopes of being on the New York Times bestseller list and I didn't hit that. And I allowed myself that first week. And, and again, I know nothing. This is my first rodeo. What do I know? So I was like really disappointed and I felt like a loser. And that when I found out and I got sad and, and then I snapped out of it a day later and it's completely out of my consciousness, but I was pretty careful not to listen to everyone that said like, your life is going to change. And, you know, because especially people in that are haven't written a book, they have no idea. I don't know what people think, but it's not what people think that you just like, you get like this bucket of money and then you're so, like, you're like, I, it's nothing like that. No, but. <laughs> Unless you're Michelle yeah. Obama. She got a bucket he, of money. She did. Yeah. I yeah. know. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> but it's like, okay, so, so for example, my book wouldn't be, like your book would be in a different category than mine. Right. You know, mine's just straight memoir, even though a lot of people think of it as self-help. So like Michelle Obama's on that list. I'm not getting on there. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I'm so happy. And now, of course, I'm thinking, oh, what's the next one? And I have nothing left to say. And I'm never going to be able to do it again. And I never write anymore. And I don't remember anything. And the way the book takes on a life of its own, people told me that. But until you are in it, you don't know. And so that that's very weird. It is weird. And I have a follow-up question on that that somebody asked me on a podcast the other day that I loved, which was, now that the book's been out for a while and in the way that it does take on a life of its own, what have you found that this book is like, okay, so there's a difference between what we think our book is about when yep. it's in our head and in our head <laughs> versus what it then stirs in people when it's out in the world. Like for me, it's been actually two different things. So what have been the most striking things that have resonated with people that maybe weren't the overall message that you thought the book was about? That's a great question. I have to ponder that. I didn't expect People, I get messages that people say, I sobbed the whole way through. I didn't yeah. expect that. I cried a lot reading mm -hmm. this book, a lot on airplanes, because I was reading it while I was on book tour. <laughs> so, you know, it touches me so deeply, though, because it, it makes me remember, oh, we're all, I mean, yes, the details of our lives are different, but we're all so human. I don't know. I don't know if it hasn't been out long enough yet to know. It's only been a month, but I know that the people that have reached out to me, it's profoundly affecting them. And I think, you know, I do touch on the grief, the anorexia, the, I think a lot of it is letting yourself off the hook. I think that's what I represent for a lot of people. So although I joke about what I call my faults, you know, my lack of organization, my messiness and all that, Kate, if you, if I had a dime for how many people say this to me, thank you for showing your messy house. It makes me feel so much better about myself. And I laugh. I don't at all take that as an insult, but there's, I think there's a sense of people go, Oh, I don't, I don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah. Um, I find what you post incredibly refreshing. Thank you. Very, Likewise. Very helpful because it shows that the greatest stuff is not in the curation and the perfection and the freaking display. Like it's not the, like you're mining the gold in the daily schlepping. And it's just like, that's, I love that. Please use that quote, <laughs> mining the gold and the daily schlepping. Cause schlep is in my book like five times and I'm, it's my Yiddish bubby, but like I, I love mining the gold in the daily schlepping is what beauty hunting is. It is. <laughs> And it's where the gold is, because if we think it's somewhere else, we're going to be vastly disappointed by life. So thank you for, thank you for how real you are. And I completely agree with your readers who say that, like, it's just, it does make me feel better about myself. And like, if that's what you're here to do on the planet is make people feel better about themselves, I cannot think of a more noble thing to be up to. Well, thank you. And I've always wanted to, that's what I've always done. I, I love that. That is just, it's, and it's, someone asked me in New York, what did you want someone to feel when they read your book? And mm -hmm. I said, it's going to be okay. Those are my favorite words. And so the fact that people feel that it makes me want to cry, even my Medicaid itself, it makes me so moved. 
You know, I mean, and I'll, and I'll say I've been really great about not looking at Goodreads or Amazon. You couldn't pay me enough. Although someone did take a screenshot and sent it to me and, and I, and it was a really shitty review and I, I don't want to see them. And I mean, the reason they did it is because I don't know if I should talk about this, but now that I opened the can of worms, you're welcome um, on track. We can edit it out. <laughs> no, I will. I'll talk about it. I think you'll have insight actually. So I created a, a street team for my book because I didn't have the money to hire a publicist, you know, but also I wanted to, it's kind of who I am. And I wanted to say, Hey, look what we can do as a community. So I asked who wants to be on my street team. And like right away, 500 people were like me, 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 me. And, and so about a, last September, I started it on Facebook, secret private page. And basically it was like, post my book, pre-order it, share it. You know, it was just these people, Again, Jen Passloff style. I had no real idea. What I, it just was like, hey, guys, share this. So after now, it's been like 10 months of these people being with me. I thought, I want to thank them. And so I charged these bracelets. My friend handmade that said, I got you. And I was so excited. I don't know how I was going to get them to everybody, but I was just, you know, okay. You're, I know you're, I'm actually really excited to tell you guys this story because it would deeply upset me, but I'm okay now. And I'll turn it into an exercise at some point. So the book comes out after now 10 months, these people have been with me. And, and sometimes I'm adding people cause they want to be in it thinking like team Jen. So I, I do a post on the page and I say, okay guys, now the book's out. Please leave a review on Amazon. Try to get there before the trolls do. I said, do not send me any. I don't want to know any. And then I wrote PS. I have your presence. Just be patient. So somebody took a screenshot of that and posted it on Amazon and said, this author is bribing people. So let me tell you. So someone took a screenshot of that and sent it to me. I threw up in my mouth. I had to take it. I was so upset because imagine, imagine, I don't know who did that, the betrayal. And so all these things happen. I mean, I was really upset, but as I say in the book, it's like, keep going or shut down. And so I shut down for maybe 12 hours. And then I, I got back up and I said, nope, I'm going to double down on who I am because I thought, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I thought, oh, what? I shouldn't have got, I shouldn't have tried to express my gratitude because someone, so I'm going to stop being who I am because somebody manipulated my words or, so Amazon took it down because ultimately that's illegal, but it was, and I didn't stop posting on the street team. And I hope that person, whoever it was, or, you know, but it was a good lesson in life for me. I'm like, well, keep going or shut down. Are you going to let one person then determine your energy in the world or your who you're being other than that i stay far away from any kind of reviews or you know it's they're not about me i don't want to know it's not like you can offer me feedback and i'll go and change the book totally and i'm going to keep being who i am even if there's going to be someone who doesn't like it or misinterprets or is jealous or whatever that was about i mean it was it was hateful but i'm going to keep being me mm -hmm. and that makes me feel proud because 10 years ago I don't know that that's the case yeah to just keep going yeah so did it hurt it really hurt <laughs> yeah I'm so sorry that happened I am too and it's hard when things happen and it makes you go it's hard not to go all people are jerks because they're not but all people can be jerks of course, just yeah. You know, that that's that's the point of don't be an asshole. Everyone's an asshole sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I also don't read reviews because, like you said, it's not like you can go back and change the book. I do. But they're not for the they're not for the author. No, and many times they're actually not for other readers because the few times I have read bad reviews, I feel awful, and it's just somebody <clears throat> being mean. And it's not helpful. So like, it's not helpful to me for sure. But it, it, I mean, and I have zero perspective on this. So it's not like I would actually be able to tell, but it doesn't seem like it was constructive for a fellow reader either. Like it's just mean. So yeah. I think well, totally. And sometimes people are jealous or whatever, or, you know, the big thing I find is people go, I could do what she's doing. But you're not. <laughs> So and the truth really is nobody could. <laughs> well, but also this, nobody can be Mike, nobody can be Kate and nobody can be Jan. So yes, another husband and wife can have this, you know, podcast, the, the Sue and Sam show, but it's gonna be Sue and Sam. 
Mm-hmm. No one can tell your stories. Like, no. no one can tell your stories and no one can write like you. And no one can teach your workshops like you do. Cause you're the only one. Even though some people try, but <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and we have to be okay with that. That's been a real lesson too, is being, is being okay with like, that's going to happen. Yes. So to that end, have you seen, you know, kind of what, like people who've taken your workshops or yes. whatever, doing a ripoff. So can you tell, you don't have to tell details obviously, but can you talk about how that feels and what you've done with that information? Cause I think that's something that if you're doing anything worth doing at some point, somebody will copy it. So, so what do you do with that? Yeah. Well, I will say, you know, look, there's very few original ideas to begin with. And we all know that, right? It's like, I, how much did I, in the beginning, did I just regurgitate what Wayne said? But I still struggle with it. So there's me being honest and human. I still get triggered and panic. And here's me pouring coffee. So listeners, right. if you hear that noise, it's coffee. Okay. <laughs> but what I do is I call a friend like Lydia, for example, who is a brilliant writer who wrote the Ford for my book. And I check in and I go, and I I'll say, it's going to be okay. Right. It's going to be okay. You know, or I'll, you know, I'll call you Kate and you'll say, Jen, nobody can be you, you know, from a legal standpoint and from a intellectual property standpoint, it's frustrating sometimes because you're like, Hey, that's my thing. I think it comes back to being okay with knowing that there's enough. Yeah. And the more I've been doing this and the older I get, I'm more okay with that. I'm still human and I still get annoyed. And people have made suggestions to me like, why don't you license your stuff and do all this stuff? And that's just not me. I don't know, you know, and something I've gotten since I started doing this work is people say, I want to do what you do. Can you train me? And my answer is always no. I just don't have a desire to do that. It's not in my wheelhouse. I'm not interested. So when people are inspired by me and they'll say, oh, okay, and Jen Pasloff in her book says this and then they do it, okay. It's frustrating though when people take your stuff and then and there's no acknowledgement or they're, you know, I'm still working through it. I'm still human, right? Yeah, still. What about you? How do you get when you see it? Well, it's only really happened that I know of like one really obvious time. And I was so mad and for me, that was really important because I have had a problem around taking myself seriously and valuing my contribution. So the fact that I got that mad about it was actually such a sign of growth because past I would have been like, Oh, it's okay. And I, right. Right. And it was great. Cause I was like, Oh, there you are. Okay. It was great. And then, and then I sent her a strongly worded email and you know, we went back and forth and in the end, she kind of kept at it and I was just like, yeah, whatever. But it was great to have the angry response because that was part of my own personal development that was super critical. And then I got to, yeah, whatever. There's plenty to go around. <laughs> yeah. I think as long as, you know, like I had, the, I had the feelings and then they pass and I don't sit in them and let them, you know, dictate my actions. It's like, okay. And then I have to, I do have to just keep coming back to like, there's, we're all inspired by each other all the time. And I don't know. I think there's ways, there's ways to do it that are ethical and classy and kind. (laughs) There are so many ways to give credit and uplift others, which you do so beautifully. So I try. You do. And it feels like from the outside, it's coming from this place, which you already referenced of feeling like there's enough, you know, you posted about my book launch a million times, like so generous, right? And I see you doing that, uplifting other voices, amplifying other voices a lot. Why wouldn't I? Well, so that's my question though. A lot of people feel like they can't use their platform to, you know, because somehow there's a limited amount. So I'm curious, like, have you always felt like there's enough or do you have some sort of cultivation around a feeling of of abundance? What's- Okay, good question. Well, one is, WWLD, what would Liz do? Liz Gilbert. <laughs> I hope you're, li- I'm going to send this to her. That would so be <laughs> Liz, I'm going to. We're actually trying to figure out, we're doing something together and we're trying to figure out a date. So I will, I will really will as soon as this airs. But if I Liz can be in LA is, for that, I will be there. Well, actually, it's going to be on the East Coast. When oh, we, fantastic. Possibly, maybe Philadelphia. So, um, I want to go to Philly. 
So now I will. I promise you. As soon as we you see throughout the day, October first, I'm going to see if, it, if it's going to work. But Portland, we're going to do it. Great location too. <laughs> what would Maine? Portland, Maine is a great location. As I, well. I actually, when we finish this call, I want to talk to you guys because I do want to come there, and I'm thinking about August. But we'll we'll wait until after. Okay. So Liz is a great model of that, and Lydia Yoknovich. And I look to women and Cheryl Strait that I, Glennon, that I really respect and love. And I go, look what they're doing. But the truth is, and I talk about this in, in my workshops a lot, is that when I was a waitress, I went and saw Wayne, and he was talking about this idea of how may I serve. And I rolled my eyes because all I do is serve veggie burgers all day. It was the last thing I wanted to do. But... <laughs> A single tear rolled down my cheek because I wasn't medicated then. And I said to myself, I'm not living my life this way. And I just, I had this internal shift. And I thought, what if I started living my life in that place of how may I serve? Now, back to what you said earlier, I have always wanted to make other people feel better. Have I always felt like there's enough? No. Why? Because my father was away from me uh, at eight. And so the reason that I'm the way I am is a, is like an act of resistance. Like I won't live in that place anymore. That constant fear that there's not enough. I just won't. In fact, I will prove otherwise. So when someone quote unquote copies me, it triggers that old stuff in me. Of, this is going to be taken away from me. And that's what comes up. So that's when I have to call my friends and that's why they go, it's going to be okay. Mm. Cause I have the, I'll, I'll go, it's going to get taken away from me. Right. Every it's, it's like a, it's a, this eight year old me, everything's going to get taken away from me again. Something bad's going to happen. Wayne Dyer did really help me with that. And like, look, how may I serve? It's not his original idea. It's Jesus. Or, but it inspired me to think, how can I serve others every day? What does that look like? But especially I have this platform. Why wouldn't I? I'm fascinated by that. I loved your book. I believed in you. I was going to be part of this. Why wouldn't I share it numerous times? I also don't, I don't know. I don't buy into any of the rules of social media and all that. I just go, oh, I love her. I want everyone to read this. You know, I use, I, I, I'm constantly uh, asking for money. You know, I raise money for these. I'm in this group that provides women of color who are single moms, who have kids with special needs. I mean, every day I'm posting on Instagram asking for money. Do some people get annoyed? Probably. <laughs> right? Or, or like posting other people's books. But that's the beauty of it. If that's all I could do, I would do it. It gives me a high. Yeah. I don't smoke weed, but it gives me a high, like as if I. <laughs> so good. When you heard about the serving part from Wayne mm -hmm. Dyer, because you were serving as a wa waitress. Yeah. Or waiter. What's the proper? Can I say server? Waitress? I, I say waitress, but I think tech, I think it's server. Server. Did you change? Because you quit. Like, did you quit right then when you learned, or did you have to change kind of your attitude when you were actually serving other people at this restaurant? Yeah. I didn't quit right away. No, but I, I did start changing my attitude and, and really it was an, it was a, the revelation I had when he said that was this, I was pretending to be an actress. And by pretending I was literally waiting at the host stand for Steven Spielberg to walk in and discover me. Didn't happen. So when my friends would book jobs, God bless them, they were out there doing it. And I wasn't, I would get, my first thought was always like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not? So it was always coming from a place of lack. So when he said that, I thought about that and I thought, oh, I'm just not living that way. So it was like an internal shift of everything, of, of trying to see life from a more abundant place and less of a place of lack of like, oh, I can serve and it's not going to take this away from me. I was always a really good server, terrible waitress, but good because I was good with people. So that didn't change as much. I was always trying to serve and like, how can I make someone feel better? How can I make someone smile today? How can I bring, change their day, you know? But I got married. Like the first thing I did was, I was still waitressing and I started teaching yoga and I started hustling and dropping off these little business cards at the table. I don't know how I didn't get fired with the check and was able to quit after about a year from teaching yoga. But when, my husband and I got married. I was like, how can I apply this in, in like a real tangible way? So we, I had a party at the yoga studio I taught at, which was donation based. And I had everyone bring donations for the Haiti earthquake in 2010 instead of gifts. And that for me, and it felt really good. And I thought, oh, how can I like keep doing this, find ways? And it doesn't have to be as big because Lord knows it's not like 
I'm rich, but it didn't so much change at the restaurant. It changed internally for me. Yeah. Which then changed everything. And I think I quit about a year after he said that because it took a while to get things in place and to get Mm -hmm. the confidence to know that I could support myself. I let go of ships little by little and I held on to one for a year. So amazing. I love that you say I was a terrible waitress. <laughs> I was. I would forget. I would, I mean, in the middle of the night, I wake up and I go, oh my God, table 32 needed to catch up. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I mean, it's so good. I, I, have a, I have a thing with servers right now is that everyone's trying to memorize what everybody's order is. Oh, yeah. No, wrote it down. Nope. And I'm just like, people, you got to write this down. And it's like almost every time they forget something, you know? And I'm just, it's, it's, isn't that hilarious? It it's is hilarious. hilarious. I always wrote it down. No, I don't know what that is. I just, for me, it was easier to write it down. I feel like it's some sort of display of like, I'm a better server because I can remember it, but they, they don't tend to. So, yeah, this, it's, that's interesting. I want to change uh, topics a little bit. How has your relationship with like your body, food, mm-hmm. all of this changed over time for you? Because I'm, I'm, I have not finished the book. I'm about halfway through it. How dare you? I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, uh, but it's phenomenal. Like I, your writing is amazing. And just, I know. Mike was just... like, Mike was like, I love reading this book. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm obsessed with writing that's just like flows right now. Like, thanks, yeah, Mike. I think because I'm like coming into learning how to read, you know, it's like over the learning last... how to read. Yeah. Yeah. Over not, not really learn, but just like reading books. No, no, no. I know. Thing until about seven, eight, nine years ago. And then starting to say, because I've read so many business books now. I'm like, oh my God, here we go again. You know, it's just like, so I just, I stop. I just stop. Like, I don't have time for that. And uh, I just stopped reading. But now I'm like, yeah, really get into it in the flow. So I was just curious from that perspective. I don't know if you share it towards the end of the book, but like, what is that relationship for you now? Well, I can only speak to right now in this moment, sitting in this chair. <laughs> Today, I feel great. A couple of weeks ago, I was like, wow, I feel disgusting. And I was annoyed at myself because I thought, how can I be back in this headspace again? You know, and that's kind of my main message in my book is that it's a day to day thing. It's, you know, not letting your inner asshole be the boss of you. So I don't, it's for example, with anorexia and I'm sure alcoholics, it's the same thing. It's not like, well, I'm cured now. It's every day. So does it manifest in me starving myself or over exercising or anything? Absolutely not. Right now, I feel great in my body. And a lot of that is because I feel great in my life about my book. And so, for example, when I'm really stressed out, an old synapse in my brain is immediately it goes to, I'm fat, because it's an old synapse. And I still have to work on that. When I feel, so instead of what's really going on, it's easier to focus on my body. I can speak to this very moment in time, whatever day it is, I, July 10th, I feel great. Sometimes I get triggered. Facebook has this lovely thing called Facebook memories, you know, and my Facebook memories from like, you know, right before my son and I go, oh my God, and I get in my head and then I, I just come back to right now. It's a process every single day, but I'm doing great. I don't deny myself anything. I don't, I really don't. I really work on enjoying life. I've come a long, long way. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. I still have bad days sometimes, but today it's a good day and I feel great. And I, I am clear that my worth is, is not about what I look like. And I was not clear on that in my twenties or my thirties. Thank you. Thanks. I resonate with that a lot. As we kind of bring it on home here, there was this couple of sentences that you wrote in the book that I loved, which were, Towards the end, you said, the reserve I had was long gone. And when this happened, I was forced to confront my softness and I relaxed into it. And that's when my career took shape and took off when I wasn't pushing so hard. So good. Do you remember that part in the book? And do you mind sharing a little bit more information? Sometimes people like refer to parts in my book and I have no freaking clue what I was talking about. No, but I have to ask first, do you need more content? No, but, but I do because this is why your book touched me so deeply. Of course I do. Because I mean, honestly, the whole do less thing for me was this huge epiphany. 
yes, you know, because of what happened when I was young with that trauma and how hard I got, softening for me has always been hard. It really, it's, it's like, <laughs> I have this postcard right here. I got in France last month and it's, it's two people in armor. And it's a reminder when you walk into my room, I say, you might as well take off your armor because it's no good in here. And so what I meant is taking off my armor, but also this feeling that I had a, you know, like I talked about earlier in the podcast that I had to do so much, even on like a logistical level, let's say for the retreat for mine, I'm only going to speak for mine, let's say a week in Italy or France. When I first started doing them, I thought, okay, this day, this, this day, this, and now it's like, nope. I have an assistant who's now more of a co-host and we're all about retreating, doing less. So that's when the retreat started getting so, so, so deep. When we start doing less, less time on the buses, less time being busy and running around and more time just being. Do you mind sharing a couple of specifics? So I love the specifics about the workshop itself, you know, and uh-huh. I would imagine people who go to your retreats and workshops spread the word because they're so amazing. I would imagine that's a big part of your business model is word. Of I think it's all, I actually think it's, it's 90, 90% of it probably. Okay. So do you, do you think that the softening and when you said your career really took off when you stopped pushing so hard? Do you think that it's because of people's experience at the retreats or do you think there was something else that you stopped doing that you were doing before? Yeah. Mm. So I think another thing I was referring to is when I started writing again, because I stopped for a long time, I felt dead inside and I wasn't creating. I was, I started writing blogs like listicles and you know, a lot of it was cheesy. I, I, I Google it now and I'm like, no, because I wanted to get out of the restaurant and I wanted my teaching yoga career to take off because I thought I was going to die at the restaurant and I was so depressed and I found this little outlet. And so I started writing these blogs of what I thought people wanted to read and what would be popular in quotes. When I let that go, when I thought, what if I just write like I really want to write? Cause I started as a poet. What if I write lyrically or write personal essays or talk about grief or depression or anorexia or being on antidepressants and I don't give a shit if anyone therefore clicks on it and then wants to come to my retreat or class. And that's what I mean. I started doing that. I started really telling the truth and people came to me in flocks. So I thought if I tell the truth and mind you, I was known as a yoga teacher. I thought if I tell the truth about depression, if I tell the truth about this, it's going to ruin my business. Au contraire. (laughs) So that's really what I mean is I started telling the truth about who I was and softening and people loved me for it instead of throwing tomatoes at my head that I thought they would do. And then on a literal level, just doing less, you know, as time went on in my retreats and workshops, because they didn't start as they are now. They started as just a yoga workshop and it's morphed. But really now, I mean, I chant to myself before I walk in, all you have to do is be present, listen and tell the truth. That's it. Do less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I think all of us, I really think your book is a Bible because it's a message most of us need in our lives. Well, thank you for that. What was it like to, as being a mom Mm -hmm. and creating more like humanity for yourself? Like, you know, now you're caring for this, this human that's outside of yourself. So what was that like? Did that, did you have your kid after you left your serving? Yeah. He's only three. Oh, he's three. She's right in it. Just like us. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he's actually in the other room. I thought they were gone. So when I went out to get coffee, I was like, (gasps) But they've been good. He's quiet. My husband has him on the pad. Like, how yeah. has that changed kind of your self-perception of yourself? Yeah. You know, working in the, this world now and then leading, like, how has that affected you? And then also going into mm-hmm. these retreats. Honestly, better. It's made me better. Hands down. I couldn't have predicted that. And I don't even know exactly why. I've become more vulnerable. I've become more present, softer. You know, so nowadays, like I say, I say no to most things. I go, but hey, if you want to come over, I have a toddler. And and so it's like, it's just made me better, more still, more conscious of how I look at the world, you know, because there's this little person. Um, It's improved everything. It's also made things harder because I have to figure out travel 
and my husband and, and all that. And, and as you both know, you know, working it out and finagling it all. And, but it's, for me, it's made everything better. I love, love, love being a mom. And in some ways I go, Oh, if I would have done it younger or, you know, I would do it again, but I, I I'm not going to because I can pull it off with one. I don't know what I'd be able to pull off with two with especially the way that I travel and I don't have a ton of money for help. And so, but it's made everything better. Does it mean it's easier? No, <laughs> but better. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Parenthood is, makes everything better, but harder. I feel like. Yeah. It just, it, um, it's, I feel, don't you feel, sometimes I feel corny. Like I'm just saying all these cliches, like it's expanded my heart. You know, I, I'm mean, like, I can't say that. Cause that's the thing every, everyone says, you know, like he brings me so much joy. I mean, is he a pain in the ass sometimes? Yes, yes. But it brings me so much joy. And joy is something that I struggled with for so long, so long. So he, he, and I'm so grateful, you know, my sister's son, my sister has two kids. She has a son that is severely disabled. He has this horrible genetic disorder. And like, I'm just so grateful. I have a healthy kid and he brings me joy. And I got one and he's great and I'm good. And he's made everything better and in some ways a lot harder. <laughs> you know, talk to me in two years. I don't know what I'm going to say then, but... We'll circle back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wanna... Can I have one oh. more question? Okay, yeah, one more. All right, do you have another question? Or are you closing? <laughs> no, on? I was going to wrap it up. Okay. Your, yeah. What's your dream for this book? Because now it's been, right, there's a dream, as Kate talked about earlier, is like there's a dream leading up to the book launch. And it's like there's a lot of hubbub around it. And then it's like the book launches and you're like, uh, yeah, happened. And then, you know, it's like, oh, okay. A month later. Doo, doo, doo. And then it's like, so what is your dream now with now that this thing's out into the world? Yeah, it's a great question. And I also, I'm glad you asked it because I've been dealing with this. Like sometimes I get depressed after my birthday because I go, oh, that was my one day of love and that's it. And now I have to wait a year again. And so I, I think like, what if after this month, then that's it and it goes away and that was my one shot. And, and so my dream is that it's gonna just keep on exponentially, you know, but I'm gonna say, because I still wanted to hit the New York Times bestseller list, but here's my dream. Ready for it? I'm gonna say it, keep saying it out loud so it's gonna happen. I didn't have any illusions that I was gonna become rich off this book. Other people may have, I didn't. What I do want, because I fiercely love what I do, the workshops and the retreats, I want to keep doing them, but not as much. And I don't want to have to hustle as much and have every cent I make be because I have to get on an airplane. It is so exhausting for me because of my deafness. You know, so I want to keep doing it on a lesser scale and I want to do more public speaking and get paid good bucks for it. So I can do more free stuff and more charitable stuff and more stuff like I'm doing for this on Facebook, it's called the gumball machine, but the, the, the group I mentioned for the women of color with special kids with special needs and, and then just more time with my son. So I want to be able to do less, but get paid more for the public speaking. That's my dream. And I knew once I had a book, it'd be easier to Ted talk. All these things are easier. I think when you have a book in the world, getting invited to do speeches and getting invited to do things, it's a way in. Mm-hmm. And also to let go of my fear that I won't be able to do it again, mm. you know? But I wanted to open new pathways and doorways and opportunities and not be the end, but to be the road. <laughs> to be the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whole chapter. Yeah, that is, I mm-hmm. love everything you said. And so as I have this group of friends that we call ourselves the witches of Norton. And when somebody says a desire, we say afterwards, and so, so mote it be. And so what? And so and so mote it be. M O. I love it. It's like I love that old witch thing to say. I don't really know, but anyway. But so, I love it. And so mote it be. <laughs> I love it. Well, Jen, I love you. I love this book. Everybody listening, go get yourself a copy of On Being Human. It is a beautiful memoir. You will cry. You will laugh, and you will feel better about yourself, guaranteed. Let my messy ass, let my sloppy ass make you feel better about yourself. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And your beautiful writing. Thank you. Thank you. I I hope that I do make it to Maine and cuddle with you guys in person and play with the kids and see you face to face. This is nice seeing you, even though the people listening will just hear our voices. That'll suffice. That'll suffice. Thank you for having me.
Where should people come to find you? JenniferPastoloff.com. And mostly I'm on Instagram at JenPastoloff. I have, for those of you on the East Coast, I have a workshop in New York on September 14th. Princeton 15th, and then I'm, I'm part of Shape Magazine's Women Run the World, and we have an event October 5th. My Italy retreat is sold out, but I have May, France. So, but it's all on my website and my Instagram, and I'm really accessible most of the time. I'm just really bad at returning emails. So in my brain, I return them, but not in real life. <laughs> I feel very much the same. You can get a lot of work. <laughs> Oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy, yeah. Well, thank you. You're the best. Thank you. You're the best, both of you. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. Hey there. Do you want to grow your business but do less work? I am teaching a free webinar coming up. It is called Spacious Three Strategies to Grow Your Business with Less Work. And you can sign up for it over at katenorthup.com forward slash spacious. I will see you there, katenorthup.com forward slash spacious, a free class on growing your business with less work.